So I stopped by Dream Cloud Coffee, picking up some coffee for the cafe today. That we they have some fun stuff, and I told him we're doing a podcast. He goes, "Oh, send this for tea with tea or tea with tea." So this is a little green tea. I don't know how to say it, but <laughs> it looks, it tastes great. Very subtle, very nice and light. So thanks to Charlie and Emily for passing along some tasty tea. I've heard that uh, this that you and you uh, made this for me one day. Talk, are we live? Yeah, we. It's a uh, americano with cardamom, and I know I have a tea reputation, but I'm drinking <laughs> americano with cardamom and maple this morning, which you made for me once. Yeah. And uh, and uh, I was just talking to some guys yesterday, and they they said they they refer to this as as the Teague because. I was having a bunch of people taste it. Now some people get it all the time, but really you deserve all the credit. <laughs> I forgot just, what I'm it was. Oh, someone came guy. and ordered it. They go, I'll take a tea again. I'm like, oh yeah, what did I do that day? <laughs> I couldn't remember it. <laughs> we tried one thing and it's like, I don't think that was it. And oh, we, and then, cayenne. 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 Yeah. cayenne and cardamom in Ooh. Americano. <laughs> that sounds gross. I don't know. <laughs> um, I didn't, yeah. What, what's the, there's also that, is that, is there cayenne in that Diablo too? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Nasty. Why would you do that? <laughs> do people like that? Yeah. For, it's not a joke. Get the blood flowing. Ugh. Do something nice and productive like hard drugs instead. What? Yeah. That just sounds gross. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Is it because of the cayenne? Do you yeah, think? Yeah. I think oh. I just think that's just it's. Uh, I can't. I wish I could think of something else that it reminds me of. But no, it's just. <laughs> What else could be so gross? So, welcome to episode two of the Wusos podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Terry. I'm Jason Wuso. I'm Clean Murray. Boss Mama. Boss Mama. I'm Teague Alexi. I thought both of these guys would be fun to bring down because lots of friendship, collaboration, everyone's known each other for a long mm-hmm. time, and lots of overlap. And also, both these guys have been involved in our live one-week live recording this last year, Volume 20, coming out in April. And also, Teague has a, one of his newer projects, Teague and the Paddy Wagon. They're going to be coming in on March 18th for a show. And Colleen's going to be doing the, the one-week live CD release on April 21st. And she's going to be doing a new album. And so lots to talk about, new, new music coming out, new bands, past recordings, and more fun to come, I guess. Well, then I guess maybe with all that, my question is, where does this kind of start, all this kind of overlap and collaboration? And quite. A, when did you move to town? Yeah, well, I was going to say music would be the answer to that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess we should start at the beginning. I'm, <laughs> uh, for me, anyway, I moved to uh, Holyoke, Minnesota in the year in April of 2000. And I was playing, I moved from South Jersey, where I grew up, and I'd been bouncing around, but I, I'd been playing music and and starting to play in bands and such. So when I first got to Holyoke, I decided to drive to Minneapolis to play an open mic at a Cedar Cultural Center. And uh, I met a guy named Bill Isles. And I drove all the way. Holyoke is 30 miles from Duluth and about 130 from Minneapolis. But I didn't know anything was going on in Duluth. It never occurred to me (laughs) that uh, people were playing music up here. So I drove to Minneapolis (laughs) Bill Isles was like, you got to go check out this place called Wusos. They have an open mic on Wednesday. So the next Wednesday, I came to Wusos. And by the end of the night, I was the lead guitar player in No Room to Pogo. <laughs> I remember that band. <laughs> and I met some guys, Chad and Zach, and started playing music with them. And, and was just kind of off and running, playing music in Duluth from, from that night. 
Yeah. I, I also have a story fantastic. of meeting Colleen, too. Well, we, well, I, I think the first time I, I met you, Teague, was at the Highway 61 Folks yes, Festival in Mattawa, my husband put on. And I think I met Jason, too, for the songwriters contest. Does that sound right? Because I think you had a songwriters contest yeah, right at that same one, time. Yep. Our, probably our first one for, maybe it was later, I think. What what was the first year of that festival? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 2002. Okay, that's probably the first year we did the songwriters competition, I think. And I was definitely paying attention to that festival. looked super fun, too. Yeah, it was a good one. I think we ran that for about eight years. But that's how I met Jason and Teague. Okay. So I remember seeing you play for the first time. And I knew you and your husband, but I'd never seen you play before that Highway 61. I don't even remember how well we... We all knew each other at that point. I don't think very well. But I remember it was such a triumphant moment for you yeah. at, at Highway 61. I think it was part of the songwriter yeah. contest. But you really had like a beautiful moment on stage where it was just like really triumphant. It seemed to me like it was your first triumphant moment on stage. And I don't know if it was. It just seemed like it from what it, I was saying. No, it was. It was called the, the song was Green Eyes. And I haven't even played. Man, that would be cool to take that one back. But, huh. yeah, Green Eyes was one of my first songs that I wrote. And so, yes, it was triumphant for me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was inspiring to see. It was a beautiful Aww, moment. Cool. That's a cool memory. That is. Yeah. <laughs> you had that Northern Train Festival, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was in Holyoke, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Was yeah. that the name of it, Northern Train Festival? Yeah. yeah. I still have the T-shirt. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> I, and, uh, you know, there's a cool moment from that festival with you because um, I remember after one of those festivals, you played me my song, Working Man Song, but your version of it, which and I, had, I hadn't played that song in years, but I remember it was actually the last year we had the festival at Montalac. So it was, it was just a few of us left at the end of the night after the festival. And, and you pulled out a guitar and you played me your ska version of Working Man Song. <laughs> and I just loved it. It was, it was like another beautiful moment, just like and tears in my eyes, I believe. But I'm emotional, so that, that happens a lot. But <laughs> That's good. But uh, yeah, it was a great moment. That was I was really honored to yeah. hear you play that song so well, and like and really brought out like the truth in that song in a way that I never had. You know, it was fun to record it. We'll have to do it with the full band. Yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about Sparta and recording and. Colleen's going up to Sparta, is it next week? or Mid-April, actually. Oh, mid-April. That's yep. Right. Yeah. And up to see Rich and Germain. Yeah. And you bring in the whole full Jabberhooch? I'm going to bring the Jabbers with, yep. I got Jacob and Owen from New Salty Dog and Jeff Gilbertson from the Holy Hoot Nanners. And then I have some other guests that are going to come and play in different different tunes at different times, I guess. That'll be so fun. The first episode, uh, Heidi from Baby Eyes stopped in and and they just recorded a bunch of stuff at Sparta and can't give enough uh, props to Rich and Jermaine for having one of my favorite studios I've ever been in. It's so they're, they, it's so relaxing and it's it you just want to just hang out there and maybe you'll get a snowstorm because I think that's the best if you just watch the snow pile up and you're just in a big warm space and the fire's going and yeah we did Hobo yeah. nephews did a full moon snowstorm recording session. At Rich's, great, love that place. Yeah, our number awesome. one contender album. Any Hobo Nephew shows coming up? No shows, but you know, we Ian and I jam and stuff. We we, we say we're we're working on our fundamentals, but uh, 
we uh you know we're plotting and planning and and jamming and more jamming than plotting and planning but at some point we're going to start plotting and planning and and get back at it but <laughs> do you find yourself doing a lot of well not a lot of plotting and planning but thinking about plotting and planning i'm consciously not doing a lot of plotting and planning at the moment but it does occasionally cross my mind, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that I know that I know there's plotting and planning in my future. I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to avoid it at the moment. Just I'm in like creative space. I'm trying not. I, you know, recently I've kind of I've just kind of come to the thought that I I don't think I can do everything at once. You know, like I've been doing most of my musical life, just trying to constantly like record, travel, tour, book, write sleep once in a while and mm. and like uh and learn different things and uh so i i think right now i'm just i'm trying to like focus on being creative and and then i'll start thinking about like being on the road and all because that, that that takes up a lot of my brain you know when i'm traveling i love traveling love being on the road but I, yeah i think it's just time for me to do like the you know you got to do like the picasso thing you know as as an artist at one point in your life just got to lock all the doors lock yourself inside and and either come up with the best art you can or, or lose your mind. You know, you got to put it all on line. That's what I'm yeah. doing right now. Oh, yeah. Risky. <laughs> <laughs> high risk. <laughs> high risk, but high reward, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, finishing is like, it's so much easier just to keep working than to finish, you know? So that's kind of, that's another place that I'm in right now. So I've been working on my new album, but it's real easy to keep working on it, just talking about it, you know, right. which I'm doing at this moment but uh <laughs> but yeah it'll at some point you know you gotta find lies and then move on yeah i think that's where i end up a lot too it's uh do you find a similar experience or something different or? sure i just i guess what uh to get the part like how does it feel to finish a piece or something assuming like that assuming you get to that point I guess. assuming really. i get to that point and then it all comes together it does feel real good and, and then i start playing it live i'm probably don't do it the right way but uh that's kind of how I do it and see if people like it. Is there a right way? I mean, cause are you saying that like you, you know, you record or you finalize a song and then play it live, but is, you know, I'm assuming other people might kind of futz with it on stage and figure it out that way. Do you, do you guys feel like there's maybe if it's just for you, that's what I like to do. I like to get it in, rough it in and then start playing it live. And, and then you can see reactions and you can also feel yourself going, Oh, that's making me cringe. I better change that. Or so I think that's what helps me finalize, make it better live. I, I yeah, I agree. That, especially the lyric, like some sometimes like lyrics that sound good in your living room. You know, <laughs> then you sing them on stage and it don't feel right. Mm -hmm. so, you go, so you go back to the change a line or two out. But yeah, I, I like I, I think that's important because I've I've put some lyrics on records. You know, because I, I I guess we've probably all done it every way. You yeah. know where you, where you end up writing songs in the studio or finalizing songs in the studio, and that stuff can be great. You know, there's great energy in that. But I have some songs that I didn't play live before I recorded them, and now I've changed the words. You know, because I because they don't sit right when I sing them <laughs> live. So, <laughs> so I don't do anything right. I guess is the answer. Oh, come on. <laughs> oh, well. I don't feel so bad now. Well, I don't know. I feel like that's definitely uh, familiar sentiment i understand also live shows for me it's like finding all of a sudden you find a really cool groove in it when you are on when you're on stage you know it has like a total different feeling than what you wrote and sometimes you start something 
And all of a sudden, it's got this other little groove to it. And I think live music kind of does that for me. You know, all of a sudden, something's just way different than how you wrote it as far as maybe a, a rhythm or a li- uh, lyric. Anyways, but... And you choose to, it sounds like you guys both choose to embrace the changes. Well, you definitely embrace the changes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you ever, I mean, are there points though where you, do you find, basically, do you ever get caught up in the process is maybe what I'm asking. Like more where you're not even really even creating, maybe you're just, it's almost like when your tires are caught and you're just spinning in the snow or eventually you might go shove them and get out. But in the meantime, it's just. Good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good and, uh, question. <laughs> I for for me I think like I get stuck on the the music part of the playing because usually for me the music comes first before lyrics come into my head, and so I I get frustrated I guess when the lyrics you know I know what I want to say but I can't get them on paper to make it sound right to what I was how I was playing it or my thoughts and my feelings I can't get on paper that's where I get stuck. I think if I don't finish it, it dies almost always. Oh. You know it's like. Mm. Sometimes, but but luckily, if I me and Vaco collaborate, so he'll have a half done thing. I'll have a half done thing, and sometimes when we get together, then we'll then we'll finally finish it because we usually record our ideas and we can listen. And I think too though is like a lot of times I always record something or write something, and then I come back to it if I don't finish it, and it's unfinished. I almost always hate it, and then I just want to throw it away. And so mm-hmm. it's if it's really important for me to almost totally finish a song or else it just is just in a pile of recordings yeah just kind of power through the feelings yeah basically i don't yeah. know because you lose i feel like i do i don't just keep coming back to it and tinkering i feel like it's this immediate thing and the next day it's not it doesn't feel the same so like whatever i was thinking or feeling that was driving this idea it it's a different day and it's a different feeling writing is like what you what you put in to it you get out of it because yeah I've, i'm f- i'm very familiar with with all these all these feelings and i i find and what i'm i'm do right now but i'm just like in record mode but like I, I think once in a while it's healthy to like get into writing mode with the same passion like like because you know we're all like busy lives and we'll have this idea that sounds great for 20 30 minutes and then you go back to it the next day and you can't quite find it but I think like I always try and once in a while just like take a, a few days and like really bury myself and go back through all my notebooks and my pocket notebooks and my half songs and everything and and try it and just for that like just like finish you know just like really like work them and see if anything's there like maybe combine a couple ideas or because yeah you can end up being busy with life and, and end up with a whole bunch of cool little half ideas writing writing takes time and energy and you get out what you put in so you know and and like with all this stuff of being a musician we're talking about it can be easy for the writing part of it to not get enough attention you know when you when you're booking and traveling and touring and cooking lunch cooking lunch you know you're you're trying you're waiting for your band members to text you back you know you got all kinds of stuff going on um, The musicianship and the and the singing, you know, it's all it's all like it all needs attention. True. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how how is the work life art balanced kind of thing of yeah make sure, yeah writing does take a lot of time so how do you actually make sure despite everything else that's going on that you actually have time to 
be creative and do the things that you want to do despite things that you have to do and may not necessarily want to do. But yeah, so Jason, you own this cafe and work yeah. a lot here yeah. and also, but also do woodblind a fair bit. So like, well, that's why I like to block out a time like Friday at three o'clock, Vaco's popping down here and we don't have any plans. We're just going to keep working on a song we started the other day and we just wrote like three new songs. So we'll run all the new songs and schedule rehearsals. Or if, if, if we're going to hang out with Teague, we'll plan a time to, to get together and work on songs. But, and Vaco's got a, like a little garage with a fireplace. So if, if it's, we'll go out there and start a fire and jam, or if it's summer, I have a porch and we'll jam on the porch and try to try to do that a lot. Cause I think everyone does that. If you don't have, if you don't just plan for it, you won't do it. But also, it's the opposite of running a, a business, sort of. I mean, not really, but but the music side and the creation side and, and the, the, when we just get together and jam without, we don't have to work on anything. We just block out this time to whatever happens. That's that's like the really good juxtapose for, for me running this cafe. It's more like healing. And then when we play shows, it's opposite too. It's like it's it's fun. You get the energy of the crowd, and and it's totally an opposite thing. So even if I work an eight-hour shift in the morning, it's like something totally different. Where other people maybe go home and watch TV or have other hobbies, go golfing, do whatever. That that's like one of my favorite hobbies. So it, and favorite things to do, and it's totally different. So so it's energizing. As energizing, to and it's yeah, a yeah. reset, and it's not about the hours of work before that it's it's the change that's what i like and you know I, th I think like with the writing thing if you're a songwriter like i think you always no matter what you're doing you always have like an ear to the street for like if someone says some kind of phrase that just sounds melodic to your ear or something like you know yeah. i always carry around a pocket notebook and i'll write write stuff down and and uh like and i'm a dad so I, I know the, like the years when my girls were really small, like I would when we were hanging out, like they were just part of my creative process, and I started writing folk tales and like rhyming fantastical stories and and things like that, just because you know we were hanging out and reading Dr. Seuss and it's just and and things like that. So that's just like how my brain was. So it, so I think some people are really good at that. It's just kind of like just keeping the creative process going and not having it be a personal like such a personal thing like I, I was talking about like oh, I need to go Picasso myself and lock myself away like I I believe in that part of it too but there's also also just like kind of keeping the creative process alive like all the time on some level like you know I, I think you're pretty good at that I mean you'll start singing a Scott song like yeah you know like it doesn't take much for you to bust out a Scott song no. at any point, at any moment of the day or night. So I write a lot of songs on the chairlift. I like to go skiing, and I go by myself for two, three hours. And you ski down the hill, and I'll, and then on the way up, I'll be like working on this line, and I'll just I'll my notepad on my phone and record a melody. And sometimes I'll write two songs skiing, and then later figure out the chords. And but if you have the melody and the words, and and the solitude of Two minutes up, two minutes down, and you just are constantly kind of just by yourself in the sun and a beautiful view, and that's. Or I just walk, go walk downtown. It's like two, three mile walk, and that's a great time to do it. But yeah, when customers coming in, or people sitting at the bar, funny stories, or just stories. I mean, you get stories from working at a cafe. You know, all kinds of people, and I, I can relate to that. 
Yeah, you oh, know? yes, you can, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, me and my so, husband own a business down in Mattawa. Right. We own a golf course with a bar and grill on the course. So I I can relate with with Jason quite a bit. You know, you have to block out time, and you have to find people to work for you when you need that time off, <laughs> you know? And you have to be, okay, today I'm going to do this, you know? Today I'm going to write. Sometimes I don't like being that way. Sometimes it um, it just happens where... I'll be at work. I'll be the same way. I'll be doing what I am doing, and all of a sudden, a, a song will pop in my head. I'll be getting the bar ready, wiping down tables, and I'll be singing along. And then I have to like run over to the phone and, or or write it down. Usually, I'm writing it down. I don't record it too often, but I also have to block out time with the business that I run. But I have music at my place too, so I'm always inspired. Yeah, yeah and, and give the name of the the. The, the Rugged Spruce Rugged, Golf Course yeah. down in Mattawa, Minnesota, which is like 35 miles south of Duluth on Highway 61. Have you been doing music in the winter at the clubhouse? No. Or? No. No, but, our space is quite small. It is. And we've been getting really busy with like cross-country skiers and snowmobilers, snowshoers. And so my little space wouldn't be able to hold that, unfortunately. I wanted to do a Sunday jam. So now that football is almost over, I know it's crazy, but we have football fans that come to our place quite a bit, and maybe now we'll just do like a Sunday, sit around the table and play guitar. Sunday picking. Yeah, Sunday oh. picking. Yeah. When, when does the music start at the Long Iron stage? The Long Iron stage, our first Saturday in June, all the way through Labor Day weekend. Uh, in the beginning of the summer, it's 7 to 9. But, you know, when it gets to August, it gets like... Six to eight, mm-hmm. and then five to seven. Yeah, <laughs> and follow the, the sun. We, we go through Labor Day, so follow the sun, yeah. Mm. And then we're going to try a Monday night thing for so- new songwriters that are out. There's so many good ones. Cool. And maybe do like a Monday night songwriter feature. That's great. I have, I have a couple thoughts I want to share here. Uh, cool. <laughs> Please. <laughs> We got to go golfing this summer. I've, I've had a ba- I had a bad back for like fifteen years. It's all better now. Me too. I the the one, number one thing I want to do is play golf, just because I want to move. I want to do that movement. But I also want to say, you know, that being a working man or woman, I think is a real advantage for a songwriter. Because I I always think that uh, to be a songwriter on some level, you need to be in touch with the people. You know, cause it's really hard to be a songwriter and just be like a touring songwriter and just go to venue like that you hear like those a lot of times like songwriters fall into just writing about road life you know which is like very few people can relate to being a musician on the road but if you're writing about american life you know and you're work and you're not like and you understand what it's what it feels like to be tired after working all day you know like a like a regular person you know it's just a different life as a traveling musician like a whole different life and it's a lot of like worrying about yourself and uh, thinking about yourself, promoting yourself, and like, you know, when you're working a job, you're like, you're, you know, I, I guess I said it, you're in touch with the working people, and that's a valuable thing as a songwriter that you don't, you don't want to lose. And you so. have a home base. You, you know, you're not in a weird hotel room or staying with really great friends that host you. It's hard to find that space when you're touring and traveling, and you're you're driving, you're sound checking, you're doing a press interview, you play. You pack up, you do it again, and it and Vaco always calls it uh, tour blinders because you you start going so long, your reality you kind of forget about everything you left 
and you, it you it change you change into a totally different. Per- I do. I just by the time I get back, I I feel I don't know how to do my regular life anymore if I'm gone for like a month. Right. Know? And the golf thing, I think that would be fun. And you should come <laughs> golfing with Jason and Vaco. That was a the, trip, yes. and then we got to do that the soiree. Annual amateur woodblind golf soiree. Yes. <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. Yep. Shoes optional. <laughs> All right. Now we just got to pick a date, Jace. Let's do it. Talk about writing specifically for a second, because I, I, I just because mainly just because I'm curious and I keep asking everyone as musicians. We kind of talked about this a little bit before. Do you, do you guys know how to read music, or is it just something you kind of just like feel and you know and you know it's, it sounds right? So it'll just I'll just keep doing that. I, I'm okay. I went to UMD Jazz for a little bit, so I can read like chord charts. Okay, and and I'm really bad at sight reading melody lines, but. If I have to learn something, I, I probably could, but it would be painful. And, and so when you're writing, you're probably not writing. You're, I, you're not taking out no, like bars. And, no, I'm and all that, yeah. ear. You know, I, I, one of my first bands was a ska band. We had a three-piece horn section, and one of the horn players could only read music. One of them was okay, and one of them couldn't read music at all. And so I'd write these three-part horn sections that were sort of in my head, but and then I sort of have to write them out, but horns are in different keys sometimes, mm-hmm. so it's it it was kind of a mess. But I left UMB Jazz pretty quickly and just, <laughs> just went on tour and kind of stuck with more of the rock and roll scene of of life. But I it's, it doesn't work well with my eyes and my brain. I mm-hmm. but then again, time in you, I'm sure if I would have studied eight hours a day like Jimmy Cooper and stuck at UMB Jazz for four years, I'd be good at it by now. <laughs> I would assume, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you read music? No, I didn't. I didn't come to music that way. I uh, I don't like to say I'm self-taught. I, I I mean I am self-taught, but I I think that implies like that I make up my own chords and stuff like that. So so I'm like I kind of feel the same way. Like if I was locked in a room and and you said like trans, you can't come out until you transpose this melody. Like I kind of understand sheet music enough. That I could painfully, yeah, like figure some stuff out. But <laughs> I learned, you know, I was in a, I learned music in a hip, hip hop group as a teenager when most musicians were studying this stuff. I was like in the boom bap world of early hip hop with my friends, and I started playing guitar when I was twenty one. And then I've just, and I feel like I've always been catching up. So my music education has been like, all right, we're gonna start the hobo nephews, and we're gonna play blues and Americana music because I need work on blues in america because i you know i need that as part of my musical education yeah just learn by doing basically yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we'll take it on the road and we'll play three hours a night wherever whoever have us and you know a few years of doing that you're you're suddenly a blues musician you know as as opposed (laughs) to like someone who wants to learn it and same with my irish music project like i fell in love with those songs i could hear those in those songs there was there was a lot of education in those songs and just how to sing and how to project and energy and attack and all kinds of things that you know that I felt would fit in nice with my offbeat musical education, you know, of of all these different things. So I feel like it's always ongoing 
But to answer your question, no, I, I'm terrible at reading music. And so when you're when you're writing and you're in that long writing process, is it similar of just kind of getting stuff down to kind of just basically to jog your memory almost? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I understand chords on a guitar really well. So I I guess when I write, yeah, it's a combination of just like lyrics. Core, my, my, I mean, I don't know if anyone else would be able to decipher. Right. Right. Vinko hates what my notes. Doing, like, but. I write a song and he, he's like, "How do you? This is terrible. I, yeah. This isn't music." I'm like, I can, "It works for me, but my little chicken scratch ideas are just jog my memory." And right. Recordings yeah. help because oh, because then you really can yeah. hear the it exactly the, your ideas right there. For me, I just I I'm I don't read music. I tried to be a, mu a music education major at St. Scholastica, and it was um, painful. Yeah. Because I had to do music theory. Yeah. And I grew up playing the piano by ear and knowing some notes. I could plunk it out, but it would take me hours, probably, and days to write out a, me a melody for someone. But. We're, I we're just learned from other of people. Instruments. We're not musicians. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank you. No. Yeah. Well, street smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I would say. I wouldn't say you're not musicians. Yeah, but street smart is definitely the way to go. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do any of you ever wish you hadn't classically trained? Like you, maybe you had stuck with UMD jazz band for a while longer, or do you feel like at this point it's kind of worked itself? Out? I, I, yes and no. I mean. I I just went down and saw Vaco with Jimmy and Eli, mm. for the guys that play in Woodbine, and sometimes with with Teague, and they're they're doing the hot club thing on Tuesdays at the Rascaller, and it's just fast hot jazz, and they're reading charts, and it looks so fun, and mm. my brain just melts watching, uh, and Darren on guitar too, so like four unbelievable jazz musicians reading music, and uh, I think that would be. That would be fun if I could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I won't even get back into that a little more. It's like, be fun to pull out my fake book and jam with Vaco because anything you put in front of Vaco, he could be like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got it, you know. Yeah. Anything like it's so silly. Anything I'm like, let's do groove is in the heart. Anything you name, he'll just like, oh yeah, I did that in this band. Oh yeah, I did that on the cruise ship. <laughs> of course, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> country, you name it, anything. <laughs> You guys want to hear my superhero origin story? Oh, yeah. Yes. It, has, it has to do with the question you're asking. Uh, so I was a kid in Philadelphia. I was five years old. My whole family's from Philadelphia. And we were living right near Temple University. And if anybody knows Philly, it's a terrible neighborhood over there. Uh, I love Philly, though. I'll, I, don't mean to, I don't mean any disrespect. But I, the crack ep epidemic was happening when I was a kid. So that area of Philadelphia was just... Not a good place to be. But anyway, I, I was taking violin lessons, classical violin lessons, when I was five. And I was doing very well. I was being offered scholarships to continue and all this stuff. I remember, I remember liking it. I remember it being very easy. We were having... I remember I got, I got beat up by some older kids mm -hmm. when I was about that age. And just some... Like, a, like the crack thing was just co coming up around us. And my mom decided to move us down to the Jersey Shore, which doesn't have anything like that, you know, not, or at least back then, there's not, you know, there's no like classical violin options or anything. So I just went and grew up without, like I said, no, no musical lessons. So that's like a, like what my parents talk about sometimes, like, oh, we wonder what would have, what would have become of you if you would, you know, continue to be a classically trained violin player. 
Yeah, we'll never, we'll never know. Do you ever think it would be handy, or do you think it's like, well, oh, oh another life? I don't really think about it like that because, uh, like, it's fun. It's fun to think about. Like, yeah, like, yeah. If I had that in my back pocket, you know, I could just pull out, pull that <laughs> out. But I don't think life really works like that because I think I even like some of my musical hard headedness as a kid maybe served me well. You know, it's like it's hard to it's hard to say getting into hip hop and not and like get being in the hip hop back then like everybody I don't know I don't feel like people remember this but when <laughs> when hip hop first showed up everybody hated it all, all especially adults oh, but yeah, like yeah. everybody hated it and there's just like this small little section of kids who liked it and a very even smaller section that tried to you know that tried to like make it and I was in that little section but I, you know like I don't know like all the things I learned even though I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like really making music or whatever you want to say about early. I mean, we were making music, but not in like a musician kind of way or whatever. But I learned so much about how to make music like that before I became a musician. And and I still make music in some of those ways, you know, mm-hmm. like I just try and go back to that, that like that like mindset of like, all right, we're just going to try and make something cool here. It's not about a chord or a riff or anything like that. It's just like making a cool sound and messing with that cool sound. And like, that's like how I started making music as a kid. So I would love to be a classically trained musician on the side, but I, I think it, it would have just changed everything about, you know, my musical rebel thing. <laughs> yeah. I have going do you have a me. fiddle even? Do you have, do you have a violin? I, yeah. Yeah. My, uh, yeah, I, I even have that same violin. Oh, wow. It's but, really uh, little. It's super, yeah, it's super little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I gave it to my, my daughters, and both of them tried it, and then, but they don't play it. When, oh. They went on to guitar, so it's fine. I'm so into uh, these guys, what they were talking about. I'm kind of like, okay, what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> do you ever... Do you ever wish you yes, had classical training? There it is. Or does it just kind of like, yeah? I definitely respect it, and I definitely wish I would have learned scales a little bit more because I'm a rhythm player, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, I just wish I would have learned a little bit more scales on the guitar at least because I, I went to that jazz. Oh, the hot club? The yeah. hot club at the Rothskeller, and, man, they just blow me away. Yeah, everyone's got to go down there Tuesday nights if you get a chance. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. They really they're it, smoking. They're smoking. Yeah. They're just so good and I, I'm very impressed. I get a little envious, but <laughs> yeah. it's 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 how I learned and I learned from other players. Uh, I had one guy down in Minneapolis when I first got my guitar. He makes amplifiers now, John Metz. But he just kind of showed me some finger picking and some chords and I just kept working on it and then playing around bonfires with people and that's kinda how I was taught. You, you guys all keep talking about people you were making stuff with and communities you were a part of. Do you do you view that as kind of like an essential part of, I don't know if being an artist necessarily, but maybe at least, at the very least, being a musician? I would say, yeah. For me, maybe it's, you know, I'm more of an extrovert, but I like to do things in groups and projects, and it's nice to collaborate on ideas, and it's fun to play with people that are above my skill level, too, and I learn a lot from it, and you just get more ideas from combined efforts i guess i agree and campfire jams yeah. and just the fun of it all and yeah kind of allows the the creativity to kind of just flow because i guess other people are doing the same thing well for me i was like my my mom and dad always had musicians my dad mm. was a huge musician fan he never played anything my mom would sing you know at church and she was really good but there's always musicians at our house 
And I, that's how I was. I knew I wanted to do that. You know, I knew I wanted to be a part of that. And that's kind of how that started for me. And I started with piano when I was like six years old, just by watching my auntie play, you know? Yeah. Bill Simweyer. Yeah. I, I feel like I've learned, uh, back to the music education thing, I, I feel like I've learned so much from the people I've been around up here, and, spe- and especially me coming from living in Jersey and California, like coming up here and, and seeing uh, how the blues and Americana music was really like intrinsic in a lot of people's playing up here. That was one of the reasons why we started the Hobo Nephews and went hard into Americana and blues because I could just see by watching people that, that they had grown up with like country music and bluegrass and blues like just like really like a part of who they are and how they how they've probably played their guitar since day one you know so i was like i gotta get that you know i gotta get that in me so so yeah i I, yeah just so many musicians up here have, have like been have inspired me it's like the blues didn't make a lot of sense to me like like growing up on the jersey shore like the blues are a different thing like they'll they'll be like uh you know, like uh, the blues will be like in really nice clubs, you know, like upscale mm. blues like would exist. And and I lived in Southern California. I would hear people play the blues. It just never resonated with me out in sunny so- Southern California, you know. And then when I came here I, and, and saw like everybody really, but I mean, especially guys like Spider John and, and like... Uh, you know, like that was just mind blowing to me in all on all kinds of levels, not just him individually, but just to hear like like uh like it's almost like hearing the blues for the first time, like when you hear it like in a bar from a guy like that, it's like I I just remember that feeling of like like this warm, you know, feeling that I had just from uh just from like watching a real deal blues guy Midwest blues guy for the first time and I felt like it was the first time I'd like I knew all those old Muddy Waters records and everything, and I love that stuff. But like something about, yeah, just hearing it live and feeling it. So, so as like I'm more of a, like I, I'm a cartoonist, physical artist kind of thing. Um, so I and I'm always isolating and going away, and I that's very much what I prefer. Do you guys pref- prefer playing live and being in that live environment, or as is recording? The recording environment is that more of like a comfortable creative space? Balance, yeah. Like balance oh, it's a good. little yeah. bit of both. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, and like because one one doesn't really work without the other, at least in oh. my mind. Because like you're so much more ready for the studio after playing on stage, mm-hmm. you know, for consistently, and uh, and recording gives you a reason to go out and play on stage more more than just like the the joy and beauty of doing it which is which is enough but it's nice to have a record to sell too that you know that you put a lot of work into and people you know give something people can take home and then you stamp it when you come out of the studio you really you've played it live and now you really you come out you really know it it's like this is this is the way it is now, or usually. But yeah, you have like a product that it's, you're like, and it, it's this like, is gonna like be good the stuff. song is finally really defined for sure. Most most times. Yeah. 
Um, well, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It has, it, this it's the exact same as last time. I have to pee. So I think now is a good time as any to, to wrap it up. Are uh, you a potty announcer? I am. Okay, yeah. I am too. I like to. I mean, why, <laughs> we, you know, we, we all do it. Why not just let everyone know? We should do a little um, shout out about some well, cool right, stuff yes. coming out. So anything, uh, anything and everything you guys want to let people know about, please do. Well, March 18th, the day after St. Patrick's Day, I have an Irish project called Teague and the Paddy Wagon. Yes. With Clancy Ward on fiddle. Sarah Cagley, we call we say she's on the kitchen floor, but she's a, she dances. And we have Jacob Mann. And now we have Owen Mann, too. What's he going to be doing? He's going to be playing upright bass. Oh, nice. The band is kind of evolving as we speak, but we are, we're going to be like rearing rear fire and ready to go by this St. Patrick's Day. That is going to add a lot. Get it all in. We've yeah. got Irish music season lasts 24 hours every year, so... <laughs> We're gonna be ready. <laughs> <laughs> how many we're shows? How many shows in, in twenty four hours this year? We got a, actually over a three day span. We're gonna play Sandstone. You I haven't are? been there yet, but I, I met the real nice folks who run the place. Sand I'm rocks. Looking forward to that. Yes, Sand Rocks. Right on. When are you nice. playing there again? That's the night before St. Pat's, and then we go down to <sighs> Twin Cities for a couple shows down there, including Astor Cafe, and then we'll come back here and do Wusos on Saturday night. To, to end it off, Fun. it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be great. Good run. That is all Irish traditionals. But yeah, it's super fun. It goes back to my my grandma, my Irish heritage. My grandma used to sing all these songs. Yeah, I feel really lucky to have these guys to play to play these old Irish songs with. Yeah, we have a hoot. We'll have to fire up the recording for that. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. What What do you got coming up? I know we we're going to do the 21st of April here yep. for the 21st one week of April. live release. Who knows and... what kind of batch of hooch I'll have with that one. <laughs> uh, we'll see. And then the recording, uh, that's what I... That's a lot of good stuff, though. That's a lot of good stuff. What's your new podcast coming yeah, on? Man. What you, uh, You're working on two podcasts. Well, eventually, that still eventually uh, I'll have another one called Lessons Learned. It's a... It's a Kind of a similar to what we've been talking about today, except it's just different art stuff. Because uh, my other friend, he's a photographer as well. Um, but it's it's a lot about the creative process and the things you've, the mistakes we've made and the lessons we've learned from that kind of thing. Part of that being like the YouTube channel we're putting it on and all the things we've messed up with that and trying to learn from those mistakes. And I think that's I think that's what it's about. <laughs> I think so. I need to come up with a more of a succinct like elevator pitch. It's a good bit. Right, yeah. There's something there that I can latch on to do something with. <laughs> you know, we all have to work on our elevator pitches. So. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Brevin. Time to do our business plan and marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been super fun. Super fun. Very Thank fun. you guys for coming. Yeah. Thanks Thank for you. having us. And Good thanks, work. Terry, for helping make this happen. This is a. Uh, probably wouldn't happen without you so uh yeah thank you for having yes. <laughs> um cool yay and then let's fade out and that's a wrap cool that was fun mm-hmm.